Isn't that beautiful? What a wonderful, wonderful job, uh, and what a wonderful song. Worthy of worship, that's the song. And if you know the words to that song, it, it, we, we see that Jesus is worthy of worship, our master, our creator. And uh, so we're so grateful to be here today because that's why we're here. We're here because our Christ is worthy of worship. We thank you for uh, playing that for us today. Thanks for Tina for being here, filling in for uh, Nibby today. Tina Belcher is here, so we're grateful for her being here today and, uh, and sharing with us in music. And always grateful for Jika as well. Welcome, everyone. We're glad that you're here, and uh, we are here to worship God, and we welcome everyone, our guests especially. You're very important to us, and we hope God's going to bless you in a special way as we worship God this morning. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. I'd like to ask if you would to fill those out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. Put your name, address, phone number, email, whatever you feel comfortable doing there, and uh, checking the appropriate box, we would certainly appreciate that this morning. Uh, several things that are coming up I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, first of all, beginning uh, next week, beginning on Sunday, well, not beginning on Sunday, it's happening next week, uh, we're going to be having a uh, volunteer breakfast for our Upward program. That's right, folks, Upward is right around the corner. Uh, the uh, games, our Upward basketball and cheerleading uh, will begin I think the games begin September the 19th, and we are looking for volunteers. We need a lot of volunteers. As, as you know, if you've been here, uh, you recognize that our Upward um, ministry is uh, kind of the, uh, the thing that we are known for here in, in Henderson, and it's uh, intensive and it's volunteer intensive. So we need lots of volunteers. We could use your help volunteering for Upward. And um, so two things. Come next Sunday at 9 o'clock, and we will feed you breakfast, and we will also sign you up uh, to volunteer. Uh, and if you can't make it on Sunday, we will sign you up anyway. <laughs> uh, so if you have any inclination for volunteering, we need people to do anything from working in the um, concession stand to, to praying. Anybody in here can't pray? I didn't think so. We all can pray. So you can, any, everybody in here can volunteer for something there. We also need uh, some volunteers to help with our Wednesday night dinners. We're going to be kicking that up again. Uh, and we need another team to serve on Wednesday nights. And so if you can volunteer and, uh, and help on Wednesday night, please call the church office and we'll set you up for that. And our choir is back in service uh, after taking a little time off, and they will begin practicing again Wednesday, right? This Wednesday at 7.20, right after our Bible study. Come on out. Come on out. This is, you know, this is a good time. To join the choir. This is a good time to join the choir. So come on out and join us uh, on, on Wednesday at 720 uh, for practice and get ready for our worship services. And you'll notice if you're reading your bulletin, there are a lot of other op uh, ministry op opportunities and fellowship opportunities coming up. I won't read them to you, but you can read them. And uh, so check your bulletin and plug in as you uh, are able to. But one other thing I want to call to your attention uh, and I want to do that by asking this question. What ministries would you like to see us accomplish if we had an extra $4,300 a 
every month in our budget. Now let me sink that in. Let, let, let that sink in just for a minute. What ministries would you like to see us accomplish if we had an extra $4,300 a month in our budget? You know, that's a question that I've been asking for 11 years now. And Gary Ely uh, from Horizon Stewardship will be here on August the 23rd. He's going to preach in our worship service that day. And then afterwards, we'll have a meeting uh, to, to discuss a possible capital campaign designed to free up $4,300 a month for ministry that now goes towards our building. Uh, in other words, we're going to look towards paying our building off, our building debt off in the next three to five years. Wouldn't that be great if we could do that? Wouldn't that be wonderful if we could do that? That would be amazing. Your finance team has been uh, talking with Gary Ely and wants, to, wants you to have that opportunity to talk with him as well and as we consider this possibility of launching a, a capital campaign. And so he will be here on August the 23rd, so put that on your calendar. He will be preaching, and then we'll be having a meeting afterwards. He'll kind of tell you uh, how this goes and have an opportunity for you to ask any questions that you might might have, and uh, so I hope that you'll be here and ask whatever question you have as we consider this possibility. It's not nailed down yet. We're just thinking about it, but we want you to think about it with us. So it's great to be here with God's people. It's great to be here with each of you. It's good to see you here today and worship to God, God together. And so let us now stand and let's sing our song of gathering, number 217, Oh, How I Love Jesus.
merciful God of the South African child and the North Korean child, God of the Bangladeshi woman, the Nicaraguan man and the wandering refugee and the grandmother in the projects, God of every last one of us, we come together today linked by our places in this world. We are connected as family members on this earth who have the power to bring the table bring to the table bread and fish rice and noodles oranges and potatoes corn and beans so that everyone can eat but god we confess that in a world where there is plenty of food for everyone to eat we squander our power to dis- distribute that food And we squand the power to distribute the money in our pockets to the hungry. We admit that we come to this day looking for an easier answer than sacrifice. And we know that the awareness of injustice that we feel may fade as quickly as today's headlines. So God, we pray that you will give us a compassion that lasts. May we... Give whatever is within our power to overturn the tables of injustice and to pour out bags of rice for all of those whom the world forgets to feed. Trusting in your power, O God, we join with people everywhere who long for the day when hunger will be a thing of the past, when all the grain is distributed and when every parent's hungry child is fed and when justice and joy prevail. May that, come, may that day come soon, O oh God. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Please join me in our responsive reading today. We are gathered for worship. There is much to do in this world. The hungry cry to be fed, the homeless to be housed. We live in the midst of a world in need of peace and a people in need of love. We are gathered for worship. There is much to do in our lives. There are commitments to fulfill, jobs to do. We must care for our children. We are gathered for worship. The problems of this world call for energy and vision. In worship, we seek God's vision of hope and wholeness and meet the Spirit who gives strength to the weary. The demands of our lives call for patience and compassion. In worship, our spirits are renewed by God's grace and our hearts are made wide by God's love. Come, let us worship God in this hour that we may live as God's people in days to come. Amen.
Our scripture verse today comes from St. John, chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he had done on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in this place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments they may that not remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. Word of God. Now? Yeah. Frank Knight gave me the thumbs up. Thanks. All right. Um, Dr. Tim talked about feeding the hungry, helping the homeless, which our church does a beautiful job of that. We feed at Salvation Army. We feed at King's Kitchen. You all always help me out at Christian Outreach. And you know what? These are some things that we don't even think about. How many of you had dinner last night? Yeah, I thought so. You know what? We are so, so blessed because we can put food on our tables. But um, most of you know that I work at Christian Outreach, and the third and the fourth weeks of the month are very, very sad. They're very sad because a lot of people who have food food stamps or SNAP benefits or SNAP benefits run out, so they have no food in their house. 
And you guys have heard me say that we're only open from 9 to 11 a.m. In those two hours, every day the last two weeks, we have fed 40 families. And that's a lot of families coming through in a two-hour period. I don't think Henderson, Kentucky should have that, but it does. And everybody here does so much to help those people. Our church is the best. But homelessness, how many of you slept? It looks like we had a lot of sleepovers last night because we've got a lot of wonderful visitors, and I love that. What if you didn't have a home? What if you didn't have a bed? Yikes. Let me tell you real quick a story. Um, I went down to Christian Outreach one Saturday morning not too long ago. I had to take Jake to work at DNM, and while he was working, I worked at Christian Outreach. And we have a little building out behind our building on 7th Street. And we keep boxes in there, just like the building we have here to keep boxes. But we have to keep boxes. And I was kind of straightening up in the food pantry, and I was ready to take some food boxes out, or some empty boxes out, and I just happened to look in the glass of our shed. I saw a person laying in there sleeping with the blanket on. And it scared me, and the right thing to do was call the police, because you never know. But um, I kind of thought I knew who it was. Now, this is something I think Henderson, Kentucky shouldn't have either. But this young lady's about 35 years old, and she's homeless. And she was, now, has it been cool outside or has it been hot? It's been hot, like 100 degrees. And I knew when the police came, they told me to back up because we didn't know what we were going to get into. But this woman had woke up, and she had set up, and she just had sweat just pouring off of her. And I don't say this to scare you. I say this to let you know just how blessed you are because there are people out there with no beds, no homes, right here in Henderson, Kentucky. Okay? That's what we're going to talk about. Going back to school is a huge event. It's a fun event. It's fun at our house because we try to make it fun. Yes, Joe? You did? Yeah. We do have some homeless here in town or somewhere else? Yeah. Somewhere else or here in town? Yeah, I know. I know. We do. But um, you guys are so blessed, and when you go back to school, I want you to think of your blessings each day. You may be sitting beside somebody at school that has nothing to eat. Okay, now that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, We'll talk about that more upstairs. But I do want to mention our retreat. Now, in the bulletin it says we're going camping and we're going to Holiday World, and that's all true. I know. And it, it will be fun. And God wants us to have fun when we learn about Him. But more importantly than going and sleeping in RVs and being, you know, 20 girls all together and laughing and staying up all night, I'm just telling you moms that that's what's going to happen. So be prepared when we come back on Sunday. This is a prayer retreat, and this is a prayer retreat for you all to think about how you can become more Christ-like, okay? I want you to be prepared to ask questions, and I'm going to read you this little thing. Everybody here plants seeds for you. When your parents or your grandparents or whoever brings you to church, they're planting the seed. And I'm going to have this question for you when we go to Holiday World. The question is, if we plant the seeds, will you do the rest? More than anything, God wants your heart. He wants you. He wants you to know how much he loves you. He wants you to know all the special things he puts inside of you He wants you to know how much he's done 
so that you can live with him forever. You'll always have more questions than anybody has answers, but when you truly love God, you have everything there is. Okay? So, it is going to be a fun trip. And speaking of a fun trip, when we took the youth to Florida, we had to have a fundraiser lunch to raise funds for all the kids to go to Florida. Yes, Isabella? No way. Oh, my gosh. So I am asking for our wonderful church family to help us with the fundraiser lunch on August 16th so that we may take this group of 18, 20 girls, however many we end up with, to Holiday World and try to keep the cost at nothing. I hope we can raise that kind of money. So who can remember when when the uh, older kids went to Florida, what kind of event we had? (gasps) Jake, Nathaniel, what did we have? What? Yes, we had a pie auction, but what was our theme? Luau. We had a luau. What does this say? Hmm. All right, so on August 16th, Please bring your poodle skirts. Men, please bring your muscle shirts. Nora and Mark, can I have you out here, please? Rachel, can I have you up here? Hmm. Anybody else? Okay. Um, be prepared to have some contest. You need to come over here. Kids, raise your hands if you know what the stroll is. Mm-hmm. Uh, raise your hand if you know what the limbo is. Oh, we're going to be doing some limbo. Raise your hand if you know what the twist is. Oh, you do? Uh, Let's hit it, boys. Let's hit it. The twist. Woo! Come on. That's the twist. Look at them. Look at the costumes up here. There's a sign-up sheet for the pie auction on the table. We will have costume contests, so uh, get out your best 50s costume, everybody, and we'll see you on August 16th to raise money to go to Holiday World. You don't have one? Boys are easy. You got to wear blue jeans rolled up with muscle shirts on. I bet you'll have one. All right, let's go up to children's worship. And sing your offer.
Dear God, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for all the blessings that you give to us each and every day. Help us not to get so comfortable that we forget there are those around us who are in need of help, who are hurting, not just in our world, but right in our own community. And help us to always try to live as you would have us live, showing your love to others. We ask that you bless these tithes and offerings, and in so doing, lead us to use them as you would have us to do. <coughs> we, most of all, we know that we should strive to bring the word to others especially those who are in need of salvation, which you have provided for us through your Son, Jesus. In his holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Wow. <laughs> Haven't we had some great music today? Uh, some of my favorite hymns and songs that are played beautifully. Thank you so much for that. What a wonderful blessing that is. Uh, the, the Reverend um, Paul Bruner tells a wonderful story about a young man named Jeff who learned one Sunday morning that his church was having a picnic that afternoon. So he hurried home to pack his lunch to get and get to the uh, picnic grounds. But lo and behold, when he opened his refrigerator, he discovered that all, of the, all that he had was one piece of dried up bologna and two pieces of bread. One of them was a heel. And to make things worse, there was barely enough mustard to color his knuckles when he tried to scrape the bottom of the jar. You know, you've done that before. But he made a sandwich, and he wrapped it up in a, and, and he placed it in a, in a large paper bag, big paper bag, so it would look like he had more than he actually had. Well, when Jeff arrived, uh, the grounds, the picnic grounds, were already pretty crowded, and the only spot that he could find was at the end of a table next to the Lawson family. And as he took out his sandwich, the Lawsons began to spread their feast out as well. They had a warm red checkered tablecloth, heaps of fried chicken, potato salad, and baked beans that smelled like heaven. And to top it all off, Mrs. Lawson had brought out two of the largest chocolate cream pies Jeff had ever seen. He glanced at the feast before him and then at his own meager meal when Mrs. Lawson said, why don't we pool our food and we can all eat together? And Jeff said, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. He was embarrassed by his meager rations. He said, I'm not really all that hungry, so I just brought a sandwich. Oh, please, she smiled. We just love bologna. We'll cut it up into pieces so that everyone can enjoy it, along with some fried chicken and all of the fixings, and, of course, some chocolate pie. And so, says Reverend Bruner, Jeff came to that picnic as a pauper and stayed to eat a feast like a king. Well, some people say that this is exactly what happened when Jesus fed the multitude with five loaves of, of bread and two small fish. The people shared with one another, and there was more than enough to go around. And whether that is a sufficient explanation of this miracle or not, it always, always amazes me how much food is left over after a covered dish meal. But this story today, today's story is one of the best known stories about Jesus. In fact, it is the only miracle apart from Jesus' resurrection that was recorded in all four of the Gospels. And that alone makes it important for us to study. It seems that people were following Jesus around everywhere he went. They were even getting in their boats. And when he got in a boat crossing the, the Sea of Galilee, they'd get in a boat and follow on, on a boat. And they would follow him on foot. And, and Jesus was moved with compassion by these, the, the great needs of these crowds. And so in today's lesson, when Jesus saw the great crowd, Jesus asked Philip, where can we buy enough bread so that these people can eat? Well, Philip seemed surprised by this, and with, with good reason. 
It would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of them to have just a little bite, he said. And what he was saying here was that there was no earthly way that they could feed all of these people. And from a human standpoint, he was right, of course. There, was, there were no restaurants. There were no supermarkets nearby. And even if there were, they didn't have anywhere near enough money to buy that much food for this crowd. So that's when another disciple, Andrew, spoke up. And he said, here's a boy. And he has five small loaves of bread and two small fish. But it's not going to go very far among so many people. How far will that go among so many people? And that's a good question. The needs are great and our resources are few. Where will we get what we need to help? And you know, in the ministry, that is a constant struggle. So often in the ministry, we are faced with so many needs, and and all we see is the insufficiency of our church's budget and the impossibility of meeting all of those needs. And it has always been that way right from the very beginning. The early church in Acts had had the same problem right from the very beginning. 3,000 Jews were converted, and that young church had to find a place for all of them because now... These 3,000 Jews were regarded as traitors by their families, and they were abandoned. And the church had to take care of them. And that's why we read in Acts 2.45 that they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So you see, Jesus had compassion for these people. So did the early church. But before they could meet the people's needs... They had to get organized. So Jesus said, have the people sit down. In one, in one of the other Gospels, it says they, he had them sit down in groups of 50. So they were getting organized there. And Jesus said, have them sit down. And so here was a man with a plan. And they all sat down. And John tells us there were about 5,000 men and an old, untold number of uh, women and children. Suffice it to say that this was a huge crowd of folks. And so Jesus told him to sit down, and then he took the loaves, and he gave thanks and distributed the food to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they all had enough to eat, he told his disciples to go and gather the pieces that are left over, and they gathered up 12 baskets of leftovers. What an amazing story that is. Jesus fed thousands of people with just five small loaves and two small fish. How did he do it? Well, as noted, as we noted before, some theologians said he did it by getting the people to share what they had, just kind of like the Lawsons sharing their fried chicken and chocolate pie with Jeff in the, the opening story there. Like people at a covered dish dinner sharing what they have, and there's always plenty left over. And that's a good explanation, though I'm not sure it's a full explanation. Because notice that what John says next. He says that after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. 
John calls this event a sign. Now, scholars tell us that John's record of Jesus' life is very specific in its purpose. And he even tells us what that purpose is when he wrote that this was written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. That's the purpose of the writing of John. And John referred to all of Jesus' miracles as signs. Signs that Jesus was the Messiah. Now this particular sign was a spectacular sign because this made Jesus wildly popular with the crowd. And they even wanted to make him king after he did this. And of course, none of of us knows exactly how he performed this miracle or how he changed the water into wine or how he healed the blind or raised the dead. All we can do is to agree with John that this is a sign that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing this sign, we, we may have life in his name. My friends, there's so much to see in this story. So let's begin right here. Let's begin with Jesus' concern that the people's needs be met. Jesus' concerns that the people's needs be met. Jesus saw the people, he saw their need, and he felt compassion for them. And that's that's why he had so much to say about caring for the poor. He It's because he cared for the poor. Some of you are familiar with the work of Jim Wallace of the Sojourners program, the Sojourners movement. Um, When Wallace was in seminary, he and some of his classmates decided that they wanted to eliminate a few verses from the Bible. And so they took a pair of scissors and they performed surgery on all 66 books of the Bible. Each time a verse spoke on the topic of poverty or wealth or justice or oppression, they cut it out. You see, they wanted to see what a compassionless Bible looked like, a Bible without compassion. They wanted to see what it looked like. And by the, by the time they were finished, nearly 2,000 verses lay on the floor. And the book was a, it's just a bunch of tattered pages. That's what remained. And what they discovered was that if you cut concern for the poor out of the Bible, you are cutting the heart out of it. And I wish more of us had a heart for the down and out like Jesus did. Because, folks, there are so many people whose needs are so great. There's a legend about Martin of Tours who is said to be the first military chaplain He followed the Roman army around from place to place, ministering to the soldiers and ministering to the people in the places that they conquered. And one cold winter day, as he he followed the, the Roman army into a city, he came across a beggar at the city gates, freezing from the cold and asking for alms. Well, Martin had been out in the field with the soldiers for weeks, and so he had neither money nor food to give him. So what he did was to take off his battered old cloak that he had over his shoulders and with his sword he cut it in two and one half he gave to the beggar and the other half he kept for himself. Well that night Martin had a dream in which he found himself as the an observer of a scene in heaven 
And he saw Jesus surrounded by a group of angels. And to his surprise, Jesus was wearing half of a Roman soldier's cloak. And so one of the angels asked Jesus, Master, where did you get that dirty old half of a Roman soldier's cloak? And in the soft silence, as the angels waited for Jesus to reply, he heard Jesus say, My good servant, Martin, gave it to me. Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion for them. And Jesus taught us that this is what the kingdom is all about. He was moved with compassion by the needs of the people. But I want you to notice that not only did Jesus have compassion for the crowd, but he was also moved to help them. And you know, a lot of people look upon the needs of others and they have great compassion for them, but only a few of us are moved to do anything about it. What a pity, we say, when we see someone on the street in rags asking for a handout. How sad we think when we see a child on TV with their stomach bloated and they're they're covered with flies, as if feeling sorry for people would be the same as really helping them. One day a student asked anthropologist Margaret Mead for the earliest sign of civilization in any given culture, and he expected the answer to be something like a a clay pot or maybe a fish hook or a grinding stone, but her answer surprised him. You see, she said that the earliest sign of civilization in any culture was a, a healed femur. The femur, of course, is our thigh bone. And in a society that was based on hunting and gathering, a person with a fractured thigh bone would be useless. And Mead explained that no healed femurs are found where the survival of the fittest reigns because a healed femur shows that somebody cared. Somebody had to hunt and gather for that injured person until that person's leg was healed. So according to Margaret Mead, the evidence of compassion is the first sign of civilization. And who can argue with that? Compassion is certainly at the heart of our faith. Mike Barrett, in his book, The Danger Habitat, tells about how difficult it is for highly competitive people to, be, to also be compassionate. He tells about some men who tried to climb Mount Everest in 2006 and some of the choices, the hard choices that they were forced to make. He tells about a 50-year-old man, a climber named Lincoln Hall, who was left for dead by his team and other passing climbers on the side of that mountain, that treacherous mountain, left there for dead. But a small team led by Dan Mazur stopped to help Lincoln down the mountain. And in the process, they saved his life. But they also gave up their own opportunity to make it to the top of Mount Everest. Weeks later, the guide who had led the rescue uh, told the Today Show that we just immediately sprang into action. You, You have to move quickly up there. If you mess around and start thinking about what to do, you he could already be gone. 
But this story of heroism and self-sacrifice contrasted with another less heroic story that took place just a few days before. You see, 34-year-old David Sharp died on that same mountain after 40 climbers, 40 climbers passed him by and refused to help. Now think about that. One climber is left for dead but is rescued and, and lives while another one is left alone to die. David Sharp was left to die so that the other climbers could complete their trek to the top of Mount Everest. And it's easy to understand the motivation of those climbers. I mean, they had invested many years of hope and dreams and preparation as well as tens of thousands of dollars in their bid to climb up to the top of Mount Everest. And so the, the question that they ask is, do they throw it all away to help a person who might not survive anyway? Well, they do if they are a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus had compassion on the people and thus he was moved to act. A blog on the internet written by someone who calls himself Chaplain Mike, the internet monk. I like that. In this blog, he recently told about a church in Texas that holds a community meal every Thursday night. They open it up for anyone who wants to come. And, and when they started doing this meal, they didn't know how long it would last, how long this ministry would last, or, or, or how they were going to fund it. And when they first opened it up, about 15 or 20 homeless folks showed up. And they were nervous. They, the homeless people were nervous too. They were wondering what the catch was. But now after five years, the church now welcomes about 200 homeless people who come in from the streets every Thursday. The people of the congregation sit down with the people from the street and they eat a family-style meal together. They put out tablecloths, cut flowers and platters of delicious food. And, and over the years, the folks in the congregation and the, the, the people on the street have become friends with one another. One guy said, we know that the food's good because you eat it with us. And then after the meal, they worship around the tables and, and then they go to the chapel and offer, offer, offer communion to anyone who wants it. And today, after five years of doing this, over 30,000 meals have been served. And that church has never lacked funds to provide for these gatherings. You know what? That kind of sounds like something Jesus might do, doesn't it? And of course, that's the whole point. Jesus wants us to be compassionate and caring as he was compassionate and caring. And don't worry about the resources. You know, we in the church are always worrying about where the money is going to come from as if God can't provide for God's people. My friends, when Jesus fed the multitude with five small loaves of bread and a couple of fish, there were 12 baskets left over. So here, I think, is what the story tells us.
Here's the bottom line of this story. Act with compassion and let God provide. Jesus saw the multitude and had compassion for them. So what can you do to show compassion for those who need it the most? Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, number 275, I Surrender All. Let us stand and sing. been good to us. God has blessed us in so many ways, and we are so grateful for God's blessings. Before we leave today, I have one thing to take care of, and that is that Wanda McCord would like to become a member of our church. Wanda, wave your hand so everybody can see you. <laughs> she, uh, she, had, she said, well, what do I need to do to, to be a, a member of our church? I said, it's real easy. Just fill this out, and I'll take care of the rest. And And so she has come to be united with our church and wants to be a part of our fellowship here. And uh, I know that you will join me in welcoming Wanda to our fellowship, to our our, uh, family of God here, our family of of ministry uh, together. So will you raise your hand and say amen as a way of welcoming Wanda to our Christian family. Thank you so much. Wanda. I'm going to tell you what I tell every person that joins this church. I've been doing it for a long time now, so other people here can probably quote it for you, for me. Everybody here is a minister. Every member of this church is a minister. We are the family of God, and we minister to one another just like a family does. So we're looking forward to the ministries that we have for you in the days ahead. And we're also looking forward to the ministries that you have to each of us. I know you'll want to 
speak to Wanda after and uh, welcome her officially to our family. Let us bow for our benediction. God is at work in the world, even in the most barren places. God watches over us and walks with us. And so, as Jesus faced temptation with the Word of God, let us also face the challenges of our lives with God's Word. Let us go out with a conviction that even though we do not live by bread alone, it is a necessity for the survival of the hungry of our world. And so let us be compassionate, as Jesus was compassionate. Let us be giving as the boy with the bread and the fish. And let us worship and serve the Lord in all that we do and go in the peace of God that comes from knowing that we are doing God's work. Amen. Amen.